بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome back to the second part of um, our radio show presented by myself Hamza and my two co-hosts Raheel and Shafiq we're back and we are talking today about a few different themes but we're trying to link them all together so we're talking about materialism we're talking about products about brands we're talking about how we get needs wants how we've got some functional brands more luxury based brands um, we've then talked about the differences between all of those we've talked about some of the brands we've talked about quality within them we've talked about actual quality differences between different brands and then we've also talked about perceived quality as well and actually you know it's that last bit that I want us to explore a little bit further so that's what I want us to focus on on that perceived quality so what I'll do I'll just throw a question out there to both of you and do you know what this question applies to all of you as well okay so I want you just to take a moment to sit down and just think this through just imagine putting yourself in this situation so if we were to say just for whatever reason you open your eyes and you are on a desert island the next day when you open your eyes okay so you wake up you're on a desert island you're all by yourself there's absolutely nobody there you've got all the food you have the shelter you're absolutely everything but there's nobody there so if i was to ask you two guys Okay, I want both of you to, to answer, but all of you listening, okay, if you answer to yourself, if you answer um, so verbally to yourself, or if you want to say it inside your head, or if you want to drop it into an email and let us know on scoopsoflifeatoutlook.com. Okay, so if you're on a desert island, what products and brands, what would you take with you if you had all the basic essentials or your needs taken care of? If I was to ask both of you, what would you say? I assume a, uh, a radio to get me off the island is out of the question. <laughs> uh, it is, yeah. You're stuck there. You're I'm stuck, stuck there, there for a while. It's a good question. So we've got I all mean, the food, all the shelter. Yeah, if everything's, on. you know, catered for already. I mean, if we're talking about sort of brands and that. I mean, I would want a phone or some sort of form of communication to the outside, whether it's the internet or a computer or some some way I can communicate with the outside world. Um, so it is very much about just having that social interaction, isn't it? With somebody yeah. else. Okay. And then, so what about, um, I tell you what, can you guys think of any examples? So before we get into it, can you think of any examples? You know, we talked about perceived quality. We talked about the example of Primark versus a Ralph Lauren t-shirt, which has been made in the exact same factory. And then Raheel, you talked about, um, for example, you can go into a supermarket um, and there could be two products on the shelf which have come from the exact same um, warehouse. Yeah, exact same factory. Mm but there's a big price difference if you take medicine as an example there you go there's a very mm, good one if, if yeah. you take um if you've got kids and you've gone to buy uh paracetamol for them the trick is you never buy cowpole because that costs an absolute fortune what you do is you ask them do you have any children's paracetamol 
and they'll pick up the unbranded bottle, which is the exact same thing. I'm, I'm not giving any medical advice here, so <laughs> check with the pharmacist, but it's a fraction of the price compared to the branded product. So that's an example of where you get the exact same contents inside the bottle, but different packaging. So can you two guys think of any examples where it's just purely a perceived quality? I think technology can have a lot of that. Um, to name brands, obviously, for me, I think Apple is one. You know, we mentioned Apple earlier. There's a lot of perceived quality there, um, and some people feel some form of comfort with that. And I guess it is perhaps down to a psychological element, almost even, that they won't stray away from that, even if. I mean, I've I've heard people say, "Oh, I, I don't even like the phone, but I just get it because I I don't like to go away from what I'm used to almost." So they'll continue buying it, um, and and even what we talked about earlier, where you might get a, a more expensive product for that quality because it might last longer, but that doesn't really apply in a lot of scenarios because people will just buy the new upgraded version every year or every other year anyway. So there's no longevity to it either. Do you think that was always the case with Apple? Do you think it's always been a perceived quality? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how far back it goes, because obviously there would have been a new brand at some point. So it's, it'll be interesting to see when that actually might have started. I mean, their exposure came from the iPod uh, when they released the iPod. And then after that, it was the iPhone. And I think that's when it became sort of a mass market product where everyone wanted to be a part of it. Everyone, you know, became a fan of an Apple product just because they were the first to do a smartphone. Um, and before mm. that, a proper MP3 player. Microsoft had an MP3 player um, that they tried um, as a competing product. It just, it didn't take very well. Unfortunately, people, mm. it was too late. Yeah. They entered the market too late after um, the iPod. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I actually think, Raheel, I would agree with you and say that I think at this point, it's very much about perceived quality. But if you go back about 10, 15, I'd, I'd say about 12 years ago, to be precise, um, Apple was brilliant. They came out with some really innovative products and they were really leading the industry. It, I mean, it was about the brand, but you were getting a lot of tech within mm. the hardware, so within your device. Um, so yeah, for example, just something like, you know, NFC technology or something, which pretty much in every phone now, mm. um, you know, or the camera, their cameras used to be the best. So they were very, um, sort of functionality heavy. Whereas now that's not necessarily the case. They aren't the leaders when it comes to tech, in my opinion, I think. Um, compared to somebody like a uh, yeah, Samsung, for example, which is a little bit cheaper, um, but I believe to be functionally superior. I don't get this whole dis debate about you know, Android fanboys and girls and whatever it is and you know, <laughs> iOS. I've been on both. I'd, I think if Apple had a bit more, um, if they were leading with functionality, I think I'd switch back to them. But I think at the moment it's just purely a perceived level of quality, which I've not really yeah, 
doesn't really bother me. Which leads to a bit of an interesting point because I think in terms of the business model behind a lot of these companies, Shafiq, you talked about it before, that there's billions that are spent on marketing and building this sense of quality within people's head. And I've got to be completely honest here as well. I mean, I run a business and my uh, product, it's a consumer product good. Um, and it is on the premium end. It is. And it's very, very important to try and appeal to customers as best as possible. Um, and to use, I don't, I don't want to make it sound as if it's like nefarious or anything or you know, shady, but you, know, you try and get into your consumer's head as best as possible and try and appeal to as many of their emotions and things that they've gone through in life. So, I mean, a lot of these brands and companies spend an absolute fortune and the experts in it, they do a cracking job in it. So bringing it back to that example about the desert island. So if, if, if we take your um, Apple product or, you know, designer clothes and jackets, or if you take, if you take an example about a fancy car or, you know, a private number plate, would it still have the same meaning if there's nobody to show it to? Does it lose some of its value? That's, that's an interesting point. Well, that's a very interesting point. Um, is that perceived quality purely down to showing other people what you've got? Um, whether that's to try and get you on a higher level of some form in the eyes of others, or even just your own psychological leveling of, of yourself. But yeah, I think it's, you know something that you mentioned license plates, uh, private plates. I've never really seen the value in that. I mean, what what do you actually you don't actually get anything functional from it? It's literally just an extra cost for no reason. It is the way I've always seen it. I see it as a sign of wealth, to be honest, because they're not cheap to get, and if you've got one, it just says that you've got a bit of money, you know, on on the side that you can spare on a private plate. But the argument so, I'd throw against that, sorry, is even now, you know, in a very much credit society, I don't think it always shows that you've got wealth. It shows you might have access to some form of wealth. But behind the scenes, you know, if you look at some of these people's books, as it were, they might even be up, up to their eyeballs in debt because they've borrowed so much money from the bank or from credit card companies that they've maxed out and they're just struggling financially, but they don't want to lose that um, outward perception of where they are and how they are. Perceived wealth. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a cracking point. That is an absolutely brilliant point. That is Rahil. Um, yeah, and Shafiq, I like that. Perceived wealth. And do you know what? I mean, just get... So bringing it back to that point, because, I mean... The real test is if you're on a desert island on your own and you had a, you know, here amongst everybody else, you have your private plate on your car, would you have it if you've got nobody to show it to? And if you wouldn't, then you've got to ask yourself, what value does it really hold? So just you know, using that as an example. And, and again, companies are very good at selling products and 
making products exclusive where if you buy it it makes you special or it makes you appear more wealthier than your other common man you know all the other club yeah it's exclusivity that they're selling is right so if there's certain designer brands it's that exclusivity and it gives other people the impression that you have wealth which may not necessarily be the case it meant yeah it doesn't necessarily mean it's the case that's interesting i mean in terms of private places well i I, I just don't get it honestly i really 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 don't get it um i i I just i i see a lot of people with them and it'd be great if somebody does have them does have a private plate on their car if you drop please drop us an email um and allow us to see some sense because i just don't get it i really don't I don't understand why you would put your name on your car or whatever it is. Um, I, I just don't get it. There is one um, way, another way of looking at it is, it, okay, maybe not an individual, but a person that has a business or a company and they have a private plate that somehow spells the name of their business or what they do. I've seen things like that. And there's a benefit there. Um, you know, it's brand awareness, isn't it? You're driving behind a car or a van or a vehicle, any sort of vehicle, and the private plates, and I don't know, it says, I don't know, Apple on it <laughs> or Microsoft or something. You know, you're going to think, oh, okay. You know, it's just getting the idea in your head. Oh, okay, Microsoft, Apple. It's just the more you see it, the more it stays in your head. Well, let me ask you this question What percentage of private plates do you think are company branded, or it's a company that's owns a plate it's probably a low percentage compared to (laughs) an individual but i'm just saying that it it can be used in a sort of a positive manner and the only idea i can think of why somebody would want to um personalize their plate is just to have a personalized element to the car because i guess if you're buying a car from the showroom or whatever it's going to be a generic car that how many thousands of other people will have and this is one form of personalizing it i guess but again it comes back to is it even worth paying for it is really weird right, well actually down- so, yeah they're worth paying for if i could just quickly add something else as well another po- positive is potentially an investment unfortunately there is value in them and there's someone out there that would be willing to pay it so if you've if you've got a number plate that's quite unique and you know it's like a name that's quite a common name you know someone's going to be after that plate and potentially you could sell it for a lot of money. You may have got it on the cheap because you were the first to get it, but there'll be someone out there that would be willing to pay five times, ten times more just to get it off you. And, but that's you know, only, an investment. That's only a positive point if the demand is there. What we're trying to understand the is why is there. there's a demand. Why, the, why is the demand there in the first place to give you know, one, one private exactly. plate more value than another private plate? Mm. Mm. Oh, oh, but 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 what what extra value does it add over a regular number plate? I don't get it. I mean, it's just numbers and letters. I don't know. And, and I don't so, know. so everybody can see your name spelt out in numbers and letters, and you know you look really great in front of other people. <laughs> I, I I really don't understand it, and I I, I just I honestly, I mean, I'm I being think... pretty I'm being pretty judgmental here, but I I don't understand how that conversation even starts. It, it yeah you know, between a couple. I, I don't get it, you know. Also, you know, I'm thinking about getting out. You know, I'm thinking about getting my name on the car. What do you think? Yeah, cracking idea, cracking idea. Yeah, <laughs> why don't you check for prices and have a look? 
and see what that looks like. So I don't know. It's a bit it, strange. It would have trickled down from somewhere. Someone, uh, you know, who was a wealthy family or whatever, they thought, oh, you know what? Let me put a private number plate on there. You know, it got advertised or marketed to them by, I don't know, in a showroom or wherever it is, it happens. And then, you know, your neighbor sees it. Your neighbor's like, oh, okay, he's got his name on there. I can afford that. You know, <laughs> he's got a nice car with a private plate. I'll get that too. Unfortunately, it just sort of trickles down from there. And eventually people who can't even afford it now are thinking, oh, you know what? This is the thing to do. And that's really sad. If that's the case, that's really sad. Um, because ultimately it comes back down to that point that uh, people, uh, and again, I mean, are we being judgmental? Yeah, we kind of are. Um, so if anybody does think otherwise, please, 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 please drop us an email on the scoops of life at outlook.com and you let us know if you think otherwise. We've got some interesting insight that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't understand. I don't understand it, and I think I would find it quite embarrassing to have my name plastered on my car. I think for other people to see it, it provides no value. If it's me showing off, I think that probably says more about me than it does about other people. It shows how shallow I am and how insecure I am. And if I'm completely honest, that's what I think when I see people um with a private number plate i think they're trying to overcompensate for something uh, that's me being completely honest um <laughs> I, th I think they're trying to compensate for something um whatever it is whatever insecurity that particular per person has well you know what it could be as a perfectly good explanation i just i just don't understand it um, yeah but they they may see the value in a private number plate the same way you see value in something else you see what I mean? So you you have to be a little bit careful because just because you don't see the value in it or you don't understand it doesn't necessarily mean that there's some sort of comparison that they can make towards something you have in your life. And they'll think, mm -hmm. oh, you know, you've got this product. I don't get it. Why have you, you know, I don't understand it. Are you mm -hmm. just trying to show off? And, you know, I mean, it's like some, there are very, a lot of car enthusiasts and they love things about their car, private plate being one of them. And I don't understand it. And with me, it's like, look, I put my car outside on the street. Someone could walk by and scratch it, damage it, hit it. I'm like, why am I going to spend so much money on a car that I can't really protect, you know, all the time? I, I can't afford to protect it like that. But there are some people, either they've got the wealth to do so, or they just, that's just what they value. That's what they, that's what they like. I guess if I was going to ask a question on the back of that, then is, although I, I don't think any of us have got private plates, um, if it was for that reason, then do we have any other product in our house or in our ownership of some form that would be the equivalent where we're paying a price for it, but it doesn't bring any mm. any actual value to whatever that thing is? And I think that's the important part of this conversation, to be completely honest, um, is about us taking good strong look at ourselves and having a look at what is it that we own and just trying to understand a bit better and it's bringing it back to that materialism point is that why do we why did we purchase certain products certain items certain brands why do we do certain things and of course we're not completely above any of that i'm sure all three of us have bought some pretty silly things where it's been to um, 
to show it off to other people. I'm sure many of us have done that. I'm sure everybody's done that to some extent, but unconsciously doing that. But I think really the purpose of this conversation is to take a good hard look at ourselves and see where we've done it and minimizing that as much as possible and being a little bit better informed and I hope less materialistic, less materialistic and focusing on, yeah, not just needs, but focusing, yeah, I think reprioritizing what's important to us. I think that's why this conversation is important. And again, I mean, Shafiq, just following on from your point as well. Yeah, I think yeah, car enthusiasts, I think I understand that as well. Yeah. I think you know some people are really passionate about their cars and yeah that, that absolutely makes sense i think that'd be a small minority i think there's still quite a large majority out there again i've got no data to back this up or anything it's just pure anecdotal it's just from experience all right then um guys we are okay we've got about three four minutes left um okay I think just to add there, um, if I was going to bring a conclusive point for me in terms of what we've discussed, it's going to come down to what your motive is behind a particular purchase. You know, obviously we're trying to understand materialism as it were. Um, and for me, if it's something that you've got excess wealth for, you can afford it, and it's just something nice to have for you as a person individually, then, you know, by all means go for it. But if it's something that's going to be brought and it's going to you know let's say for arguments that you get you're taking out a loan or you, you're buying on a credit card that you can't really afford to repay and that's when you really have to start asking questions yourself why am i buying this when i don't actually have the affordability to do so and i think for me that's where a bit of a borderline comes in between i've got the money i've got you know i'm not struggling financially i've got the means yeah i'll buy this extra nice product or I'm struggling, I should be a bit mindful about what I'm buying, in a sense, as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and I, me, I just add that, look, you should, the philosophy, if you want to call it that, that I live by, just live within your means. Mm. You know, if you can afford it, as Raheel said, yeah, that's fine. You know, you can treat yourself occasionally to something nice. Um, but generally, just live within your means. For, decide to, you know, make a decision. Look, is it, am I buying it? because I want something of luxury um, or is it functional and I need it? Uh, and I think just to add on to that, I think we've got about two, three minutes left. Well, actually, we've got about two minutes left, but I think just uh, two minutes, yeah. Um, I think just to add on to that is I think all of us, and that's in, us three included as well, need to take a good look at why we purchase, why we buy the things that we do and do we do it to please other people or do we do it because um, we take some value from that and I think that's the bit we need to be a little bit more self-reflective about um, companies that do a great job of getting money out of our pockets mm. brilliant at doing that so just taking a good uh, long hard look at ourselves and are we spending appropriately or are we trying to impress other people who yeah don't really care or are probably going to get jealous and do some harm um whether intentionally or 
unintentionally. There's no good that comes from it. And ultimately, what you're going to take with you when you're gone. Because mm. ultimately, you end up six feet underground and that's it. You don't take anything with you. So that's the other part, very important point to remember as well, is what you're going to take with you. Um, so all these things do ultimately go and we don't take any of them with us. All right. We are at the end of our conversation. Hopefully that's been useful. Um, you've been listening to Hamza, Shafiq, Rahil. Uh, let us know what you think. And it's been a pleasure. We shall be back again next week, inshallah. So uh, catch us again next Sunday. Okay. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.